Hi kids, this is Bob Bro. The show that you're about to listen to was originally broadcast May 26th, 2014. Hope you enjoy it. It's half past eight exactly, Mr. Dillon. I better get it out of the safe now. I know you're all excited about school being out, and now here you are in summer vacation. But I also know that you've just been waiting with great anticipation to find out what we're going to be playing this week on the show. I know, I understand these things. Well, the mystery is over. We have a great show tonight. Hi, everybody. This is Bob Bro, and welcome to Boomer Boulevard. The Boomer Boulevard Old Time Radio Show, where we feature stories about growing up in the 60s, the 50s and the 60s. We share stories about going to college and getting married in the 70s and raising our families in the 70s and the 80s. And uh, just, we share not only our stories, but some music, and we also play old-time radio shows that we remember from when we were kids, either on the radio or on television. And that's certainly going to be the case tonight. We've got a very funny episode of the Jack Benny Show. Jack, Don, and Dennis go to a drive-in movie, and that conjured up a rather frightening frightening experience. I had at a drive-in movie back around 1964 or 63 or so, and I will tell you a little bit about that. We have an episode of Nightbeat, which was a wonderful show from the early 50s with Frank Lovejoy, an actor that many of us remember from when we were kids. Frank Lovejoy plays Randy Stone, a reporter for the Chicago Star, and that brought up a memory about the first time I went to see Chicago, and we talk a little bit about that, and uh, this is a really good episode of Nightbeat. It features William Conrad in a very different role, and I think that you're going to enjoy it. Speaking of William Conrad, then we're going to end up on the streets of Dodge City, Kansas, 
with a really highly uh, high quality sound on this episode of Gunsmoke that we're going to listen to from 1955. Also has some great musical selections along the way. A very unique song you may or may not remember by a guy named Martin Mole. And you're going to get a kick out of that. So anyway, all kinds of good stuff lined up. And we're going to get started in just a minute. Oh, day. 
Are you ready for a little radio noir? Well, we have a show that fits the bill perfectly. It's an episode of Nightbeat that was originally broadcast on NBC back on April the 16th, 1950. Nightbeat is about a columnist by the name of Randy Stone who writes a column called The Nightbeat and he prowls around the big city late at night digging up stories. Some of them are about some very unseemly characters. Others are relatively interesting human interest stories. And that's sort of what we have tonight. This one features William Conrad. And it's interesting, when Gunsmoke was first being cast, many people thought William Conrad was a lock, but many of the executives, apparently at CBS, did not want him. And the reason why is they felt he was too much of a heavy. He too often played, you know, the the bad guy. And they didn't uh, picture him as a hero type like Matt Dillon. Uh, You'll kind of see why they might have felt that way as you listen to this episode tonight with his big bass baritone of his. Although he plays a a rather pathetic character, an ex-champion boxer. The name of this one is The World of His Own. And like I said, it was originally broadcast back in 1950 on April the 16th. So here is Frank Lovejoy as Randy Stone in Nightbeat. Randy Stone. I cover the night beat for the Chicago Star. Stories start in many different ways. Tonight's story started when I walked into a nice little guy's private world and it blew up right in my face. Night Beat, starring Frank Lovejoy as Randy Stone. When the streetcars and the subways spill out their thousands of tired ones who scurry off into a million directions to find home, that's when my job begins. I start walking, looking for my story so that you can read about it in your morning newspaper and feel good because it didn't happen to you. Tonight I got my story fast, just walking down Madison Street, west away from the center of things. I kept walking... Past the shooting gallery and the nickel arcade, the peep shows, the fortune-telling machines, the jukebox taverns. <laughs> Madison Street, the quick route to happiness for the world's worst hangover. And then straight ahead of me was Pop Gordon's training gym, where the public pay 30 cents to watch fellows training to beat each other's brains out. When I got inside, it looked like just one of those fights. But then I heard one voice over the others, and it was a voice I knew. Somebody call the cops! Somebody call the cops! You just punch his own out of here! What's the matter, Randy? 
Oh, this crazy owl's going clear off his rocker. But well, that's Billy. Yeah, somebody call a car. Wait a second, Tom. He's all right. Sure, sure. Listen to him. I'll tell you. Only oh, one place for a loon like that, the bug house. I'm going to get the cops and have this all tied up. Oh, now, wait a minute, Pop. Let me talk to him. Randy, stay away from that lug. Five of us couldn't hold him. He knows me. Randy, the guy's going nuts, I tell you. Hey, Gallo, like I said, everybody's scared to get in the same ring with Billy the Kid. Hiya, Billy. How's it going? Are you coming in with me? Oh, sure, sure. Make me a big man getting into the same ring with a champ. That's me, champ. You're a two-bit bum. <laughs> it's a thumbnail description if I ever heard one. Admit it. The truth. A two-bit bum. Admit it. I admit it. I admit it, Billy. Yeah, but you don't mean it. You're laughing at me just like a rest of them. Billy, I never laughed at you in my life. Laughing? Well, I'll show you what happens to anybody who laughs at Billy the King. <laughs> As the world flew away in all directions, I dimly remembered how the sports writers used to speak so respectfully of Billy's fast left hand. When the fog finally cleared, Pop Gordon was bending over me, and there were a lot of other faces, too. I didn't see Billy when I stood up. Are you okay, Randy? Oh, that's being okay. I don't want any part of it. He slugged you, but good. Where is he? I took off before the cops come. Took off before anybody could grab him. <laughs> I don't blame them. I let that bum come in the gym and sit around. Everybody else pays 30 cents. But him, I let him for free. Now, what's he do, huh? He busts loose and blows his top. Why? What happened? I don't know. The night I catch him putting a bite on my customers. Two bits here, a dime there. Billy was panhandling? Sure, like I said. I didn't like it, so I tell him. And then what? I don't know. I'm over at the other side of the gym. I hear somebody laugh, and the next thing I know, the owl's swinging like a windmill. He's going to kill everybody just for being around. He ought to be tied up. Oh, just like that, huh? He ain't safe. You want the Black Mariah to come around and cart him away like a load of rubbish? But for his own good! Oh, Pop, remember when he was champ? He packed him in every club where he fought. He had a dollar or five dollars for anybody who held out a hand. So? What are you getting at? Well, now he's got no one, Pop. Now he's out in the cold. Uh, yeah, I'll forget the cops. Well, we still got to, to, to put him away. Yeah, sure, but let's do it as painless as possible. I'll keep him with me tonight, and then tomorrow... You going after him? Which way'd he go? Straight up the street. But watch out, Randy. He blows his lid and you oh, can't... Oh, don't worry. Wa- don't worry. I don't want any rematch. I'd like to know why he blew his lid in the first place and my jaw in the second place. I'd known Billy a long time. He was a sweet, gentle little guy who always seemed to be living in a world all of his own. A world that nobody else knew about and cared less. And now he was in trouble. In his mood, he might hurt someone, or worse, he might get himself hurt. I must have walked for half an hour before I finally spotted him, standing on a corner. I stopped and watched him for a couple of minutes. I watched his hesitant, embarrassed panhandling. And then I walked over to him, slowly. Hello, Billy. What? Uh, Oh, hi, hi, Randy. Oh, Paolo, Paolo. I ain't seen you for a couple of weeks. Where you been keeping yourself, huh? You haven't seen me for a couple of weeks? Yeah, I thought maybe you you forget an old pal, huh? You're not the kind of fellow forgets, champ. Uh Uh, What was the trouble back at the gym? Gym? What gym? Uh, Pop Gordon's. Pop's place? Yeah. Well, well, let's go. I, I gotta help Pop. He, he's a good joy. He never charges me nothing to and, get him. Now, hold it a second, Billy. Uh, yeah? Weren't you at the gym tonight? Oh, no, no, no not tonight. I, I, I've been here. And you, uh, you didn't, uh, massage my chin? Well, you, you giving me a rib? Well, what you looking at me like, for, Randy? 
Forget it, Billy. Uh, you, you was just ribbing, huh? Oh, sure. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> I like ribs. Not, not giving the, the hot foot, nothing like that, but funny ribs that don't hurt oh, nobody. Oh, sure, sure. Uh, can I ask you a $64 question? Sure not. You, you ask me anything, Randy, anything. I've never seen you ask for a touch before. But you seen, seen me doing it? Uh-huh. I ain't never gonna do it no more, Randy. But, but, but I got it, and then I, I gotta get a few bucks, maybe fifteen. I, I already got two dollars, and maybe. 15. Why do you need fifteen dollars? Well, I, I, I gotta get a new suit. A new suit? What's so special about tonight, Billy? The, the, there's something I gotta do. I gotta do, Randy. I gotta have fifteen bucks. I, I, I heard them scops. Hey, that's you, Randy. Yeah, oh, oh, Sullivan? I, I know, Randy, don't, don't let him pick me up for Panhandle, please. Will, no, will no, you... I won't, Billy. Now, you wait here. I'll yeah. be right back. Okay. That's Billy back there, isn't it? Yeah, that's right, Sullivan. Why? I heard you had a little trouble with him back at the gym. Maybe we ought to put him in a tank for the night to keep him out of trouble. Oh, look, look, Sullivan. He's going away tomorrow for a long time. Oh, like that, eh? Yeah, that's it. Uh, this is his last night out. I see. Okay, that's the way I do it myself. See you around, Randy, but keep an eye on him. Yes, I'll watch him like a hawk. Thanks, Sullivan. So long. Well, what do I say, Randy? They ain't gonna pick me up for mooching, are they? They ain't gonna... No, pick... no, no, they're not. Huh. But, uh, listen, Billy, how'd you like to come to my apartment for a while? Well, I, I, I can't. I, I, I told you, I, I gotta get 15 bucks. Well, we'll talk about it. But I, I, I gotta get it tonight. No, I gotta get a new soup because... Because... Go on, why? Well, I, I... I can't be wearing this commie rag when I see her. Not when I see her. I didn't know what he meant, but whatever had made him go crazy at the gym, whatever had made him hit me was tied in with her. Who she was, I didn't know. I wasn't sure that he knew I finally talked him into going to my place, and when we went in, I watched that slow, gentle smile come over his face. Hi. Hi. Th this place is A number one. Yeah. Sit down, Billy. Uh, I ain't got much time. Well, just I... a couple of minutes. Uh, yeah. Okay. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm awful tired, Randy. <laughs> Seems like a lot of things happened tonight. I... I'm kind of tired. Want a drink, Bill? Oh, no, no. I, I never touch it, you know that. Yeah, and you never panhandled before. I, 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 I ain't gonna do that no more either. J just tonight, Randy, I, I never bum from nobody. I, I paid my own way. Now that's why I want to know why you're putting the bite on people tonight. I, I ain't gonna tell you. You'll laugh. No, I won't laugh. You will. Somebody else laughed when I told it. So somebody else laughed. Boy, when somebody laughs at me, I don't like it. I easy, tell you, really, easy, easy now, easy. Oh, that's better. Now. Randy, I, I, I tell you, I, I, I gotta get fifteen bucks. Hey, hey, look, L look at this. Uh, What's this, Billy? I cut it out of the paper today. I, I seen it. You take a look at it. You, you, you read what it says. Uh, Mrs. Walter Compton and her husband. Yeah. Go on. There's more. The prominent society leaders of New York will be in town tonight. They're staying at the lake shore. I can't go there in this crummy rag. 
Why do you have to see her? Well, I, I, I got to tell her something. I, oh, it's getting late, Randy. I, I got to get going. I'll lend you the $15, Billy. You? Oh, oh no. No, no. I, I, I pay my own way. Well, you pay it back whenever you get a job. I don't want no handouts. It's just a loan, Billy. It's a loan. But... Ah, <laughs> oh, thanks, Randy. You, you, you're a champ. Uh, now, tell me why you've got to see her. You, you ain't gonna laugh. I, I can take anything but that, anything. I won't laugh, Billy. No, I, I, I guess you wouldn't. Okay. You remember once I was champ? Everybody knows that you were champ. Now, what about her, Mrs. Compton? Yeah. Well, it's one night after a fight. I ain't a champ yet, but I'm punching right to the top, see? Okay, but this one fight, she ain't there. So I go to see her at her place. She's there. She's there when I walk. Who's that? Me, Billy. Where are you? Be out in a minute. Sure. I went tonight. I went tonight, Edna. Yeah, I heard on the radio. Well? Well, what? What, it don't mean a thing? Sure, means a lot, I guess. You guess? Oh, a kid for a doll who's going to marry the next middleweight champ, you sure take things like a lump of ice. Yeah. Is there anything wrong, Edna? Nope. Oh, there is. Okay, something's wrong. Have it your way. You wasn't at the fight tonight, baby. I looked for you. It took me three, four rounds to get going because I didn't see you. You won. Oh, kid. Come here. Look at me. Sure. The eye got torn open again, huh? It's nothing. Collodion fixed it. Collodion fixes everything, huh? Get cut up. Use collodion. It's nice. It puts you all together again. How long do you think you'll stay together? Oh, what's eating on you, honey? The last two or three weeks. The last been... two three weeks. The last two three years. Yeah, that's right. I hate it. Hate what? Oh, shut up. Oh, kid, kid, what's wrong? You and me. But I don't get it. The only thing you do get is a measly few bucks for getting your head knocked off. But I'm a fighter, but honey. I'm a fighter, all right, fight. But count me out. What? Oh, now, wait a minute. I've been waiting. I've been waiting for him to carry you home. Me? <laughs> me? It can't happen, huh? Well, all of a sudden, you start blowing your top. It's not all of a sudden. You said it. You said there was something wrong for the last two, three years. Okay. Okay, spill it. I'm through, Billy. Washed up. Finished. What? You and me. Done. Since when? Since right now. Oh, baby, it, it, it's just the eye. You see me this way and you... Ah, <laughs> the eye. <laughs> Don't laugh at me, Edna. I take anything but being laughed at. It is a laugh. Now, listen. You listen to me. I don't care if you get punched all over the state. I don't care if you get your brains rattled so hard. Edna. It's me I care about from now on. Okay. Okay, so I'll be champ. So you'll get your fur coat. Not from and... you. Not from a guy who's beginning to look like a punching bag instead of a man. Look at me. Take a good look. I am. Yeah, I am. I got looks. I got class. I can do all right. Well, I still don't get it, honey. All right, honey. I'll lay it on the line for you. You want me to? Yes, go ahead. I'm not going to tie myself to a punchy character. I'm not going to have to walk in nice places with a guy whose face is, 
Well, look at it. Go take a good look in the mirror. You see what I mean? You want me to quit? I don't care if you do or not, because it's too late, Billy. It's too late. Oh, Edna, you... You shouldn't say things like that. <laughs> Edna, please... Please don't laugh at... That's the way it was, Randy. That, that's the way. Yeah, yeah, I see. Look, Billy, you don't want to go and see her after that. I, I tell you, Randy, I, I got to see her. That There's something I got to tell her. and It's got to be tonight because tomorrow she, she'll be gone. Billy, how do you know that that she'll see you? Oh, I know. I, I know because there's something I ain't told you. It, something, I, something I ain't never going to tell nobody. And, and, and Randy... Please, please don't try to stop me. Please don't let anybody try to stop me because, because if, because if I do, I'll kill him. said he'd kill anybody who tried to stop him from seeing Mrs. Walter Compton. I looked at his scarred face and into his eyes. A wild fever you see in the eyes of a dog everyone says is mad, but only wants a drink of water. And then... Uh, I, I guess I shouldn't have said that, Randy. Billy, why do you want to see her? <laughs> you, you don't understand dames, huh? No, my mother never told me. Well, 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 she gives me the brush, see? Like I tell you, she gives me the brush. But she does it for me, see? She, she don't want me to get my brains knocked out, see? Yeah, I'm beginning to see, Billy. Ah, uh, sure. But me, I, I got no sense. I, I don't see it her way, so I let her walk out and I don't see her no more. That is, that is not until I get hold of that paper today. And tonight you want to see her? To say what, Billy? What? What? Don't you see? She loves me. All these years, she never lets up. And, and, and I, I want to tell her it's okay. That maybe her and me, we, we can start all over like, see? Wait. What's the matter, Randy? Uh, nothing. Nothing, Billy. Don't let anybody kid you, pal. You're still champion. Oh, I ain't nothing. But... Uh, I, I gotta go now. I, I, I gotta get 15 bucks for a suit. Now look, look, you're tired. You need a shave. Maybe take a shower. Have you thought of that? What? No. All right. Now, you wait here. Take a shower and a shave. I'll bring a suit back for you. Is that a deal? Oh, gee, you're a... You're... You're a champ, Randy. You're a real champ. I might be gone for a little while, Billy, but when I come back, everything will be okay. Sure. Okay. There was only one thing for me to do. Go see Mrs. Walter Compton. I made sure that Billy couldn't leave my apartment. I locked the door from the outside. I didn't want him picked up before he had a chance to see her. To see the woman around whom he'd built a whole world of fantasy in which he'd lived for so many years. And I didn't want that world to come down around his ears. My newspaper pass got me in to see Mrs. Walter Compton... In her suite at the Lakeshore. You're Mr. Stone? Yes, I am, Mrs. Compton. You're from the newspaper? Well, I'm not on newspaper business, Mrs. Compton. Not tonight. This is more personal. Really? Well, what can I... Um... Uh, do for me? Uh, nothing. Then please get to the point, Mr. Stone. My husband will be here shortly with guests. Uh, how soon? 
An hour. Why? Well, because it concerns someone you used to know. Really? Who? Billy Candell. Billy Candell? Yes, better known as Billy the Kid. He was once middleweight champion of the world. Oh, I'd forgotten. <laughs> and I was glad to. Uh, Mrs. Compton, he's coming here tonight to see you. What? He's coming? <laughs> How stupid can one get? Well, for a lot of people, it's not hard to be stupid or heartless. <laughs> Yours must be a rather sentimental column, Mr. Stout. Uh, yes, it's about people. You'd better go. I want you to see Billy. What can you lose? It's out of the question. Listen, all he wants to do is tell you something. He wants to tell you that he knows that you still love him. What? <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no, listen to me, please. Tomorrow he's going to... He's going to where he can rest. He's sick, Mrs. Compton. He's desperately sick. Let's not be so polite. The word is punch drunk, I believe. You want me to see a maniac? He's not. I'll be here when he comes. We'll keep it between the three of us. You know what you're asking. Yes, I'm asking you to give a sweet little guy a few minutes of his world. Now, now make it real for him. Tell him anything. Tell him you still love him. Then he'll go away. And after tomorrow, you'll never see him or hear from him again. You're asking me to receive that, that, that thing... To bring him into this hotel where everyone can see him? Do you know what that means? To him, yes. I'm talking about myself. Myself, Mr. Stone. Can we get off that subject for a moment? It's the only subject that matters. Well, if you don't see him, he'll crack up all the way. That happened long ago. Good evening, Mr. Stone. Three minutes of your time, please. I said no. Did you hear, Mr. Stone? I said no. Okay, lady. Okay, I'm going now. Uh, thank you for everything. It's been lovely. You needn't be sarcastic, Mr. Oh, needn't I be? Look, Queenie, I got a little spot announcement for you. Billy owes you a vote of thanks. You'll never know it, but you gave him the biggest break of his life when you walked out on him years ago. Oh, really? Yes, really. Tonight you're giving him even a bigger break. <laughs> tell me about it, Mr. Stone. Yes, I'll tell you, because the only thing the poor guy's got left is a memory of a girl named Edna. Any resemblance between that memory and you was strictly coincidental. Goodbye. Glad to get out into the fresh air. All the way back to my apartment, I kept thinking of what I'd tell Billy, how I'd tell him. And then as I walked across the lobby toward the elevator... Mr. Stone. Mr. Stone. Hmm? Oh, what, Charlie? Here's a message for you. Okay. Here you are, Mr. Stone. Oh, thank you. Uh, how long ago did he leave this? Oh, uh, why, just a few minutes after you had left. Did you know you'd left him locked in? He called down and asked me... No, never mind that, never mind that. Did he say where he was going? Oh, no, sir, no. Just that he couldn't wait for you any longer. Yeah, that, that's on the note. How did he look? How did he look? I mean, anything unusual about him. Uh, well, I... Uh... Oh, he, he had on one of your suits. I remember now, that pinstripe. He must have stolen oh, it. Oh, he didn't steal anything. Now, listen to me. Yes. I'm going to the Lakeshore Hotel. If he comes back here, get in touch with me there. Mrs. Compton's suite. Mrs. Compton's suite, that's yes, right. yes. Oh, and listen. Uh, I think you better call the police. But as for Kalski, remember that Kalski? Tell him to meet me at the Lakeshore Hotel and quick. <laughs> I grabbed a cab and took the shortest way to the lakeshore. I watched the pavements looking for Billy, but I didn't see him. He had some money on him. He must have taken a cab himself. And then I was back at the lakeshore talking with the clerk at the desk there. Yes, sir, there was, there was a man here of that description. He asked a call to be put through to Mrs. Compton's suite. And was it? Well, sir, he was, he was rather, well... Yes, I know, I know. So he didn't get through? I called Mrs. Compton's suite myself and told her. That is, I described the man. Yes, I know. All right, go ahead. Now, what did she say? That on no account was I to put him through or send him upstairs. Oh. Well, okay, that's something. What did he do then? He left immediately. Which way? I'm afraid I didn't notice, sir. I was registering some new guests and paid no attention. Okay, thank you very much. <laughs> 
I had to find Billy before. Well, before what? What would he do? Where would he go? I asked myself those questions as I walked slowly along, watching for him, hoping to see that pathetic figure in my pinstripe suit, hoping I'd get to him before someone else stopped him. I was afraid of what might happen or could happen. And then I saw him, just past the Lakeshore Hotel, shambling slowly along, his shoulders hunched against the sharp wind that cut in off the lake. I ran and caught up with him. Billy! Billy! What? Oh. Hi, hiya, Randy. What you, what you doing over here? Oh, I just, uh, I just looking around. Why'd you leave my apartment? What? Oh, oh, well, well, well you was gone so long and I had to get going, see? Oh, sure. <laughs> Come on, let's walk. Yeah. Uh, Randy, I... I, I borrowed one of your suits. It, it, it's a real champ suit, all right. You mind, huh? You, you mind? No, Billy, no, not at all. Did you see her? Uh, oh, 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 sure. What? Sure. You did? I, I see her. Billy, they wouldn't let you go up, remember? Uh, yeah, but, but I went up the back. The back? Billy, don't look at me now. Are you sure? Oh, sure. Sure. Uh, and she still loves me, Randy. I said everything was okay. She's crazy about me like, like she always was. What did she tell you? Oh, she, she didn't want to talk to me. You know how she is. But then I, I told her I, I love her. And, and she loves me. And Billy. And Billy. Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm tired. Lots of things happened tonight, Randy. Lots, lots of things. Yeah, I know. What do you say we stop someplace for coffee? Yeah, I, I like that. I'm tired. I, when I get rested real good, I'll, I'll go back to see her. Her, her and me, we'll, we'll start over again. Hey, hey, Randy, this is where she lives, you know. Yeah. Hey, look, Randy, I, I gotta see her once more. Maybe she'll... Talk to me this time, huh? No, not tonight anymore, Billy. I wanted to talk to me. She won't. Yes, she will. She, she loves me. Billy, listen to me. You let me go up there first. I'll talk to her and fix everything, okay? Tell her not to act like a kid. Tell her to talk to me, huh? Yeah, sure, sure, I'll tell her. Now, you wait for... Hey, Stone. Kalski? You put in a call for us? Yeah. Yeah, but it's okay now. I found him. What, what, what'd you call the cops for, Randy? Oh, Kalski's not a cop. He's a pal of yours. He thinks you're the greatest fighter that ever lived. Oh? Always wanted to talk to you about your big fight. Oh, sure, sure. But but we're busy now, Koski. You talk to you about it later. I gotta see somebody. Billy, now. I promised you I'd see her, remember? You, you, you're gonna tell her I'll be waiting? Sure, sure. Now, you you just stay with Kalski here and tell him about the night you won the belt. Anything the matter, Stone? No, no, no. You keep him here. I'll ask the questions later. Now, Billy. Yeah? Promise me that you'll stay right here. You, 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 you won't stay long, huh? Just tell her she loves me. And I, I want her to talk to me. Yeah, that's all. Now, you wait here. I didn't think it would do any good to see her again, but I wanted to give Billy a good memory to take along. I saw her, all right... But she didn't talk to me either. I went back downstairs and out to the street. I hadn't been gone more than five minutes, but they were the longest five minutes of my life. 
Brother, I was beat. Hey, well, Randy, you, you, you see her, huh? You, you see her? I saw her, Billy. What does she say, huh? You, you tell her what I said? I told her. Hey, Stone, how long does this go on? This is a prowl car, not a bus. We're coming along with you. What's the idea? You get in the back, Billy? Yeah. I, I, I'm kind of tired. I, I kind of like to ride to your place, Randy. Take us to the precinct, Kosky. Listen, Randy, you see his girl? Yeah, I saw her. I guess she laughed once too often. She's dead. Well, yeah, no, but but take it easy, Kalski. The poor guy doesn't even know that he killed her. Four a.m. and the lights are going out all over the city. Even those neon signs on Madison Street. I've got to write my piece and put it in the slot, but what can I say? A story of one-sided love? Well, if that's what love does to you, then I'll stick to Pinochle. It's a funny thing about love, isn't it? You let someone get up and talk about hate, and he's hailed as a new leader. Let him speak of love, and he's ridiculed, spat upon. Yes, or even nailed to a cross. Love is the sweetest thing of it the birdies sing. Yeah, yeah. Copy, boy. Nightbeat, a new dramatic series, stars Frank Lovejoy as Randy Stone. Today's script was written by Russell Hughes. Nightbeat is edited by Larry Marcus and directed by Warren Lewis. Music by Frank Worth. Portions were transcribed. The part of the prize fighter was played by Bill Conrad. Others in the cast were Lorene Tuttle, Larry Dobkin, Charles Seal, and Joe Forte. NBC is presented for your approval a special edition of Nightbeat to acquaint you with this regularly scheduled Monday evening program. Listen then tomorrow night when again you will hear Frank Lovejoy as Randy Stone on Nightbeat. Now stay tuned for High Adventure, starring Burgess Meredith on NBC. From April the 16th, 1950, that was Frank Lovejoy. The name of that episode was Word of His Own on Nightbeat. Randy Stone writes for the Chicago Star. Good show. We'll we'll play some other episodes in the future. I remember Frank Lovejoy from when I was a, a kid in movies. I think he made more B-movies. He was um, kind of a controversial character from what I understand in real life. He died very young. I think he was only in his mid-50s or so when he died, mid to late 50s. Frank Lovejoy. Ever been to Chicago? That's a great town. It's a great town to visit. Uh, our oldest son lives up there, uh, he and his uh, wife-to-be. They're getting married in August, and they work downtown. I remember the first time I was in Chicago, I had always wanted to travel, and I had never really had the chance. I was probably 17 years old, and the only thing I had seen outside of California was, was Arizona. And a good friend of mine, Marshall, 
his parents moved every three years with his dad's job. When Marshall got to uh, Southern California, to Long Beach, they were there for about three years. And then when it was time for his parents to move to his dad's next job assignment, Marshall said, no, I, I'm going to stay here. This is, this is where I want to be. He was like 17, 18 years old. Well, the car they left him conked out, and he needed to buy another car. And he had a job, but obviously it's pretty hard to buy a car when you're 17 or 18. So his parents said, uh, we'll fly you out. They were living in Ohio at the time, Toledo, near, near Detroit. Uh, why don't you and Bob fly out here, and we'll get you a car here, and you can make the payments there in California, but you guys drive it back. Well, this was exciting. First time I'd ever been on a jet airplane. I'd been on some prop planes going up to San Francisco. Electroprops, remember those? We uh, we flew on TWA. I'll never forget. Uh, took off from Long Beach or from LAX. Flew overnight. Uh, we were flying on Youth Standby. Youth Standby. You used to be able to fly for half price, but you were on standby. So if the plane was spilled, you'd get bounced. You you couldn't get you you couldn't make a reservation. You were flying standby, and it was a Friday night, and that was a mistake. Almost all the flights were filled, but we ended up. We couldn't get on American, we couldn't get on United, but we got on TWA to Detroit. And it stopped in St. Louis, which is where I've lived for the last almost 30 years now. But I had never been in the Midwest. And this was uh, July, I believe. And this was before many of the airports had the uh, jetways that go out to the plane. So you would actually have to get off the plane and walk down a stairway. They would roll up to the airplane. Well, I'll never forget... When we uh, got to St. Louis, we wanted to get off the plane. And when they opened that door, and I felt for the first time the heat and the humidity in the middle of July, I just couldn't believe it. We don't have humidity. didn't have humidity in Southern California. Well, Marshall went with his folks, and they bought him a new car. It was a little Opal Cadet. Do you remember Opal Cadets? It was it was red. And it was a cute little car. Back then, you had to break in a car for a week before they recommended you take it out on the highway. So we, we had to spend uh, a week there in Toledo in the heat and the humidity uh, before we could take the car on the road back to, uh, to California. Well, we needed to get back to California. We had something hanging over us, and having to spend the week in Toledo really threw our schedule off. Well, part of the agreement was, when we were making this road trip, that, we, that I would get to see Chicago, Illinois, and Denver, Colorado, and Detroit. And we saw Detroit, which is very near Toledo. So... As we were driving back then, we were suddenly faced with this deadline, and we had decided that we were going to drive it straight and take turns driving. Well, as we were going down Interstate 80, there was the turnoff on Interstate 55, and it says Chicago 30 miles or 40 miles north. And Marshall goes, oh, Bob, I didn't realize. I thought Interstate 80 went right through Chicago. Well, better luck next time, basically. Is what he said, but I was driving at the time, and I said, oh no, 
That's not the way it's going to work. And I made a right, and we headed up Interstate 55, and I got to see Chicago, got to see Lakeshore Drive, got to see the Loop, the Marina Twin Towers, and all of the famous landmarks in Chicago. That was before some of the uh, later buildings were built, like the John Hancock Building and the Sears Tower. Exciting place, Chicago. It's a great town. If you've never been there, there's a lot of fun places to see. A lot of places to visit and uh, some very, very friendly people. I'm tired of rock and rolling. Let's get married, honey. Let's go bowling. Throw away our pot and acid. Spend a weekend at Lake Placid. Too hard to live in this town if you're strange. What say you and I get normal for a change? What say you and I get normal? It don't have to be that formal We just sit and watch TV like others do We'll eat meat and mashed potatoes Cut our hair so folks don't hate us Life is nuts enough just living here with you Let's see who can be most boring You do the dishes, honey, I'll start snoring We'll get a mower, do some mowing, spend all morning getting it going. We'll show everyone in town we're not deranged. What say you and I get normal for a change? What say you and I get normal? It don't have to be that formal. We just sit and watch TV like others do. We'll eat meat and mashed potatoes. Cut our hair so folks don't hate us Life is nuts enough just living here with you It's gonna change us, honey, sexually From now on, we'll just be once-a-weekers It's gonna change us, darling, even musically We'll get our records through the mail Get a set of lousy speakers So if you'll beg my pardon I'm going out and start a garden It'll just be small potatoes Just some lettuce and tomatoes And if either one comes up We'll join the grain What say you and I get normal for a change What say you and I get normal don't have to be that formal We just sit and watch TV like others do We'll eat meat and mashed potatoes Cut our hair so folks don't hate us Life is nuts enough just living here with you It's true Living here with you and Bobby Magoo Potentious or polite Ready tomorrow Comedy tonight 
Well, it's time for our comedy corner, and we have a very funny episode of Jack Benny tonight. If you recall, back in 1954, drive-in movies were all the rage. And in this episode tonight, that was originally broadcast on October the 24th of 1954, Jack, Dennis, and Don go see a movie at the drive-in, and the results are pretty darn funny. So here we go to 1954 and the Jack Benny Show. The Lucky Strike program starring Jack Benny with Mary Livingston, Rochester, Dennis Day, Bob Crosby, and yours truly, Don Wilson. As you know, ladies and gentlemen, Hollywood is the glamour capital of the world. And since Saturday night is the time your favorite stars get together for those gay parties you read about, let's go back to last night and see what's going on in Jack Benny's Beverly Hills mansion. Everyone sure seems to be having a good time, boys. Well, certainly they're having a good time. When you give your guests good food, a big orchestra, and the champagne flows like water, how can you miss? Yeah! Well, close the window, Rochester. We can't watch Ronald Coleman's party all night. (laughs) Big show-off. Close the window. Good. Now help me off this box. (laughs) Yes, sir. You know, Rochester, I just can't understand it. What, boss? Well, the Coleman's and I are next-door neighbors. And when Ronnie first moved in, I used to go to all his parties. But the last few years, he's had a dozen big affairs, and I haven't received an invitation to a single one of them. What do you suppose it could be? Maybe you lost your address. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Well, come on, let's finish our game of gin rummy. Okay, it was your turn to throw a card. Yeah. Let's see now. First, you discarded the ten of clubs, then the three of spades, the six of hearts, the jack of diamonds, the eight of hearts, the five of spades. (laughs) What's so funny? It sure helps when you've got them written down. (laughs) Look, you play your way and I'll play mine. I hate to break up my hand, but this is the only safe card I can give you. Here you are, the king of spades. Jim! Are you lucky? Deal him up again. Rochester, are you sure I didn't get an invitation to Coleman's party? Positive. They must have sent me an invitation and got lost in the mail. Excuse me a minute. What are you doing, boss? I'm going to call the post office. I'm going to give them a piece of my mind. While you're about it, boss, tell them they didn't deliver the gas bill this month either. (laughs) It's your play, Rochester. Gee, I got a pretty good hand this time. You'll need it. Why? I got gin. (laughs) Again? That's the most unusual... I'll get it. Hello? Uh, Hello, is this Mr. Benny? 
Yes. Well, this is Sherwood, Mr. Coleman's butler. Oh, Sherwood. Yes, 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 yes. Yes, yes, yes. Yes, yes. Well, Mr. Coleman was a trifle embarrassed to even broach the subject of this late hour. But we're having a party here. I know, I know. 183 guests. <laughs> oh, I say, you've been on that box again. <laughs> such a devil, aren't I? <laughs> uh, well, at any rate, Mr. Coleman thought you might like to slip into your tuxedo and come over. Would I? I certainly, I, I, I certainly would, Sherrod. I'll, I'll be glad to come over. Uh, good. And remember, you serve from the left and remove from the right. <laughs> now, look, Sherwood, I'm not waiting on tables for Ronald Coleman or anyone else. So, Goodbye. All the nerve. They can keep their party. I'm just as happy here at home with you, Rochester. But, boss, I'm going out tonight. Going out? Gee, I thought you were going to stay with me. I'd like to, but I made plans to take the night off. But, Rochester, you were off last week. Oh, boss, you're not counting Tuesday night, are you? Well, why not? That's when I had my appendix taken out. <laughs> What's the difference? You didn't get home till three in the morning. <laughs> night he wants for that. <laughs> well, if you want tonight off, you better get started then. Okay, I'm going upstairs and put a tie on. Everybody wants time off. See, what'll I do with myself all night? There's only someone I could play cards with. I wonder if Remley's home. <laughs> eh, he cheats. <laughs> Gee, this is going to be a boring evening. I don't know what... Hello? Oh, hello, Mr. Benny. This is Dennis. Oh, Dennis. Uh, what do you want, kid? Nothing. Are you going to be home tonight? Yes. Why? Well, I thought I might come over and visit you. Oh, wonderful, Dennis. Come on over. Okay. Don't go away. Goodbye. Goodbye. I'm ready to go, boss, but if you really mind staying alone... It's all right, Rochester. Dennis just called. He's coming over to keep me company. Well, that's nice of him. It sure is. Let's see, I wonder what I can serve him. Well, there's hungry. sandwich bread and some cold cuts in the refrigerator. Yeah, and Dennis has such a sweet tooth. Have we plenty of candy? Oh, yeah. We've got caramels, Tootsie Rolls, licorice, and some O. Henry bars. Oh, good. Shall I put them in the machine? <laughs> I can do it. <laughs> you run along. Okay. Good night, boss. So long, Rochester. Gee, it's nice of Dennis to want to spend the evening with me. He'll sit around. He'll talk to me. Discuss his problem. Drive me nuts. <laughs> anyway, I'll be alone, so it'll be nice. Hmm. Now, who can that be? Oh, hello, Mr. Benny. Dennis. How'd you get here so fast? I was next door at the Coleman's party. <laughs> what? I would have got here sooner, but I walked. Now, look, Dennis, I'm in no mood for any... Shh, not so loud. If they find out I'm with you, they might let, not let me back in. <laughs> you might not have got that line out, either. 
Look, Dennis, why don't you go back to your party? Well, don't you even want to hear my song for tomorrow's show? No, I don't. But it'll cheer you up. All right, all right. Go ahead and cheer me up. I've changed my mind. Dennis, sing that song. <laughs> okay, what a sore head. An Irishman, an Irishman will steal your heart away. He'll be devil you and beguile you with his hullabaloo belay. When that rogue turns on the brogue, your heart will go astray. Oh, an Irishman, an Irishman will steal your heart away. An Englishman has manners. An Englishman has charm. They say it's truly difficult to ruffle his plum. He'll hold you and he'll kiss you, but wherever he may be. At four o'clock, he'll have to stop to sip a cup of tea. But an Irishman, an Irishman, will steal your heart away. He'll be giving you and beguiling you with his hullabaloo belay. When that rogue turns on the brogue, your heart will go astray. Oh, an Irishman, an Irishman, will steal your heart away. Italian men are fiery. Italian men are warm. And when they love, they love with all the fury of a storm. But you can turn the flame to ice and make them run for life. For all you got to do is eat a spaghetti with a knife. But an Irishman, an Irishman will steal your heart away. He'll bedevil you and beguile you with his hullabaloo belay. When that rogue turns on the brogue, your heart will go astray. Oh, an Irishman, an Irishman will steal your heart away. A Frenchman is romantic. The French have savoir-faire. When he makes love to you, it's always... Torre, torre de bonheur. <laughs> He'll say to you, Toujours l'amour, my life on you depends. But next day he'll be making love to two of your best friends. But an Irishman, an Irishman will steal your heart away. He'll bedevil you and beguile you with his hullabaloo belay. When that rogue turns on the brogue, your heart will go astray. Oh, an Irishman, an Irishman will steal your heart away. The German man is steady. The German man is smart. For he'll come around and around again to win the Fraulein's heart. But you can lose him easily and make him hide his face. When he comes around to see you, tell him, This is not the blade! <laughs> an Irishman, an Irishman will steal your heart away. He'll be devil you and beguile you with a solid blue belay. When that rogue turns on the road, your heart will go astray. Oh, an Irishman, an Irishman will steal your heart away. Now that you've let me hear your song, go back to the Coleman's party before you drive me crazy, will you? And you can tell him for me that... Come in. Hi, Jack. Why, Donzie, come on in. What are you doing here, Don? Well, Jack, you know the little woman's out of town, so I just thought I'd drop by and see if you'd like to take in a movie with me. 
A movie? Gee, I'm glad you thought of it. That's a wonderful idea. I didn't have anything to do tonight. I've been to a movie in months. Maybe Dennis will go with us. Dennis? Where's he? He's standing under your stomach. <laughs> Dennis? Please don't laugh, Don. I'm too young to die. You want to go to the movie with us? Sure, what's playing? Well, I was going to the Palisades Drive-In. They're showing that new English film there, Murder in Piccadilly. Oh, let's go there. And they've also got a surprise second feature. I hear they've had some great ones lately. Hey, I like that two feature. Gee, that sounds pretty good. I've never been to a drive-in. Now, come on, fellas. My car's in the driveway. <laughs> I think we're getting near the drive-in theater. There's a cowboy picture at the Strand. Dennis, you'll go where we go. You're only alone. Oh, Jack, Jack, stop. The light's changing. Okay. Say, look who's in the car next to us. Where? Why, it's the sportsman. Hi, fellas. <laughs> Hope you have a nice time, fellas. A nice time? Where are they going, Don? Well, don't you know, Jack? They're going away for the weekend. Oh. Hey, where are you going, boys? We're going to Gilly Gilly, Gilly Austin Pepper, Katzenel, and Bogan by the Sea. Oh, Gilly Gilly, Gossip Pepper. Yeah, it's a beautiful place. I've been there many There's times. There's a tiny house. There's a tiny house. By a tiny stream. By a tiny stream. Where a lovely lass. Where a lovely lass. Had a lovely dream. Had a lovely dream. And Gilly a dream Gilly. came true. And a dream came true quite unexpectedly. In Gilly Gilly, Austin Pepper, Katzenel, and Bogan by the Sea. Oh, it's a beautiful spot. She was out there. one day. She was out one day. Where the like tulips grow. <laughs> when a handsome lad. When a handsome lad. Stopped to say hello. Stopped to say hello. And before she knew. And before she knew. He kissed her tenderly. In Gilly Gilly, Austin Pepper, Katzenel, and Bogan by the Sea. The happy pair were married one Sunday afternoon. They left the church and ran away to spend the honeymoon. In Gilly Gilly? In a tiny house. In a tiny house. By a tiny stream. By a tiny stream. Where a lovely lass. Where a lovely lass. Hey, Don. Down there's a crowd gathering around us. And the last I heard. Look at the crowd on the street here. You hear the boys say? Now everybody, just repeat the words after me. You ready? There's a cigarette. There's a cigarette. LSMFT. LSMFT. It's the best smoke yet. It's the best smoke yet. Lucky strike for me. Lucky strike for me. To get better taste. To get better taste, it's toasted thoroughly. Yes, Light a lucky strike. Light a lucky strike. It's the smoke we like. It's the smoke we like. Cleaner through and through. Cleaner through and through. And it's smoother too. And it's smoother too. Take a puff and see. Take a puff and see why all of us agree. On 
this winding driveway to the box office. Yeah, I've never been in a driveway before. Pull up to that man next to the booth, Jack. He'll give us our tickets. I've been biting my nails. Now, look, I don't want any cracks about my car. Oh, is that a car? I thought it was a flying saucer that made a bad landing. Never mind. How much for the ticket? It's $2.40. That's 80 apiece. Here you are, mister. Here's a $5 bill. All righty. $2.40 out of five. That means $2.60. Here you are. Thank you. Come on, Jack. Drive inside. Okay. Sure is crowded here in this drive-in theater. I don't see any empty spaces. Well, why don't you follow that car in front of you? Yeah, he seems to know where he's going. Okay. You're following the wrong car. That other one turned left. He did not. I'm doing the driving. Nobody listens to me. Well, hang on. I'm going back in. Hey, not so fast. That'll be 240, please. <laughs> what are you talking about? We paid you once. Well, don't get so huffy. It was Petso's money. <laughs> I don't care whose money it was. Instead of being so sarcastic, why don't you tell the fellow where we can park and see the show? Section H, go there. <laughs> Jack, I, I think I see a space in the next row. Yeah, better hurry before somebody else gets it. Okay. Get in tight squeeze. Watch your side down. Here I go. Come on. Come on. Plenty of room over here. Watch it. To the right. To the right. To the right. Come on. Come on. Oh, hold it. Hold it. Hold it, Jack. To the left. To the left. To you the just left. said the right. To the left. Now make up your mind. Uh, hey, you guys pipe down, will you? <laughs> To the right, to the right, to the left, to the left. Now, Herman, don't make a scene. Oh, but why do you think they was talking to Queen Mary? Well, <laughs> look, hold it down a little, fellas. Now, how am I on your side, Don? Fine, Jack. A little more, a little more. There, there, that's perfect. Now, let's all settle back and watch the movie. Gee, I don't like the angle from here. 
Why, what's wrong with it? Well, the actor on the screen has a pointed head. You're looking in the mirror. (laughs) Jack, I think we're a little too far to the side. Maybe we could get something more to the center. Look, I had enough trouble finding this face. I'm not moving, so forget it. I told you to pipe down. Now you woke the baby up. Oh, for goodness sakes. Quick, Herman, give her the milk. I can't. You made it too hot. Hold her, Herman. I'm holding her. I'm holding her. You told me to be quiet. Now, how about you practicing what you preach? Look, you woke the baby up. All right, I'm sorry. I didn't intend to, and I apologize. We're all here to see a movie, so let's relax and enjoy ourselves. You want to be friends? Certainly. Okay, stick your hand out the window. All right, there. Ouch! You see, Moynal, I told you the bottle was too hot. <laughs> you got a lot of nerve. You burned my... Quiet! What do you want to do with the other kids? The other kids? Yeah, Billy, Tom, Ann, Susie, Dickie, and Irving are light sleepers. <laughs> and if they wake up, they'll disturb Katie, Alice, Melvin, Julius, and the twins. And how many children have you got? Who knows? It's dark in here. <laughs> Baby, Daddy's got you. Now go to sleep now. <laughs> we had to come to a drive-in. I want to hear the picture. Don, roll down your window and get the speaker, huh? Okay. Here, I'll just hang it over the window ledge here. Oh, Abigail. Abigail, my darling, these moments with you are like a dream. Yes, Charles. I only live when we're together. Oh, hold me closer. Mm, how I love you, Abigail. But these secret rendezvous. What if your husband catches us? Oh, that's impossible. He's away for the weekend. Don, turn the speaker up a little. (laughs) It isn't on yet. That's the couple in the next car. It's on now. Well, Inspector, if I follow your thought, one of the gentlemen in this very room is the fiendish axe killer. Hey, this is exciting. Yeah, Abigail's kissing him again. <laughs> Watch the picture. Yes, Ray Grimes, and you'll be astonished when I tell you that the name of the murderer is... Jack, Jack, stop blowing your horn. I'm not blowing it, it's stuck. There must be a short in the wire. Gee, I can't hear who the murderer is. I can't. <laughs> Jack? I'm hitting it. It won't stop. Call the automobile club. I can't. They blackballed me. Watch out. I'll pull this wire. There. Gee, I'm so embarrassed. <laughs> I woke the baby up again. I hope you're satisfied. Look, it was an accident. If you don't like being next to me, why don't you move? I should move. I should move. Did you hear that, Moidle? This joint comes in, bothers everybody, and he wants I should move. Of all of... Quick, Moidle, hold the baby. I'm afraid I'll throw her at him. <laughs> Look, Jack, there's no sense staying here. Why don't you take that space over in the next row? Oh, maybe you're right. Some people just won't let you have a good time. Better go in here, Jack, next to this convertible. Oh, yeah, there's a spot. There. Now, maybe we can enjoy the picture. Come closer, Cynthia. Your kisses do something to me. And yours thrill me, too. But, Robert, I worry so. What if your wife catches us? 
Impossible. Abigail thinks I'm out of town for the weekend. <laughs> Gee, the whole family is here. I wonder if I should tell Abigail. Now, why get involved? Look, look, they're about to start the surprise feature. Oh, good, the second feature. I turn up the speaker, Don. And now, ladies and gentlemen, the Palisades Drive-In takes pleasure in presenting another in our Saturday night series of surprise features. Oh, boy, I hope this is a good one. Warner Brothers presents The Horn Blows at Midnight. Well, what do you know? Rochester. Boss, you're home early. Didn't they have a second feature at the drive-in? Yes, but most of the people left. Well, that doesn't make any difference. They're supposed to show it anyway. I know, but in the middle of the third reel, the projectionist committed suicide. <laughs> Good night, Rochester. I'm going to bed. program is written by Sam Perrin, Milt Josephsberg, George Balzer, John Tackerberry, Al Gordon, Al Goldman, and produced and transcribed by Hilliard Marks. The Jack Benny program is brought to you by Lucky Strike, product of the American Tobacco Company, America's leading manufacturer of cigarettes. From October 24th, 1954, that was the Jack Benny program. Oh my, drive-in movies. So many stories could be told about drive-in movies. I remember when we were in high school, you just didn't go to a walk-in theater. You went to a drive-in movie. And there was a lot of protocols, at least in Long Beach, if you were with a date, you always parked in the last couple rows of the drive-in theater. If you were with a bunch of guys and you wanted to get into a fight, now I know, I know what you're thinking, and I never understood that, but I knew guys that would say, let's go to the drive-in and get in a fight, or let's go cruising and get in a fight. I never got that. But some guys, uh, you know, if they didn't have dates, they wanted to go fight. 
And you would park in row 13 if you wanted to get in a fight. Then if you just wanted to, you know, if there was really a movie you wanted to see and you were with a bunch of guys, then you would, you know, park up toward the front in the center because you would get a much better view of the screen. Remember, they used to always have double features, and I swear you would get out at, like, because in summertime, they couldn't start till dusk, which was like 8.30. And so if you went to a double feature, you'd always get out at 1.30 in the morning or some ridiculous hour like that. I remember one time, my cousin Dan and his, my other cousin Doug, his brother, and I went to a movie at the Paramount Drive-In Theater, which was not technically in Long Beach. It was sort of the next town to the north. And so we weren't nearly as familiar with this drive-in. And we parked and were watching a movie. And shortly after we parked, several cars came in around us, and we realized that we had parked in an aisle or a row that was all friends. And they were Paramount guys who tended to be sort of low riders, if, if you follow me. I was more of a surfer type. There was a lot, <laughs> there was a lot of ways that people were categorized back in the uh, mid-60s. You know, in Long Beach, at least, you were a surfer or you were a lowrider or you were... Hippies hadn't come along yet. They used to call a group of guys uh, the wimpies. These were the guys that used to take the hair and bring the wimp down in the front. These were the guys that would wear the continental pants and the pointed shoes. That did not fit with the lowriders, and that didn't fit with the surfers at all. But this was a whole different category. There was different groups that you could belong to, and these groups generally didn't get along together. So here we are at the Paramount Drive-In, and it ends up that several rows in front of us, a bunch of guys from Norwalk, California, were there with their dates, and these guys were the wimpy guys, you know, the continental guys. Well, some of their girls got out of the car and started walking back to the concession stand during the movie. All of a sudden, a lot of cat calls go out from the cars around us. These were the Paramount guys making fun of the Norwalk girls. So the Norwalk girls go back and tell their Norwalk boyfriends, and the next thing we know, a bunch of Norwalk guys are walking back to the row where we are. And suddenly, guys in cars, both to the right and the left, start piling out. Now, I am one who at this point would have said, let's go. But Dan, at this dislike for these Norwalk types that he looked to the guys as they were getting out of the car to to his left and said, is this a private fight or uh, would you like some company? And the guy says, you want to fight with us? And Dan says, you bet. And so he says, come on along. So next thing I know, because when you're a teenager, and I was probably 15 at the time, when you're a teenager, there was this, this tremendous peer pressure. And so next thing I know, I'm standing there with a bunch of guys in a drive-in movie facing off a bunch of other guys. And two of them step out 
And I just knew that if they started to fight, that we would all suddenly be fighting and it would be a brawl. Well, to make a long story short, one of the guys from Paramount grabs one of the guys from Norwalk and finds in his hand a straight razor. And then he hands it back to him. He says, oh, you want to fight with a straight razor? He hands him the razor back, and he takes a bottle and breaks it on a speaker post, and he says, come on, let's go. And I'm thinking, what? This is nuts. And yet, here here they were. These guys were about to, to fight it out. Well, fortunately, the guys from Norwalk backed down. And next thing I know... All of these guys from Paramount are treating us like heroes. They're new friends, and they invite us to some party that uh, I we didn't go to, thank goodness. But I'll never forget that, and I'll always remember what peer pressure was like. But here we were, just watching, and I remember the movie. It was Hush, Hush, Sweet Charlotte with uh, with Betty Davis and Joan Crawford, and we had just gone to see this movie, and next thing I know, we're all piled out of the cars, facing off, and we're going to get in a fight with beer bottles and straight razors. Oh, a lot of drive-in stories. Uh, we'll, we'll tell some other drive-in stories in the week ahead, but that's one that every time I think about it, uh, I, sometimes I still get weak need. The Paramount Drive-In Theater, I wonder if it's still there, on Paramount Boulevard in Paramount, California. Well, you ask me if I'll forget my baby I guess I will someday I don't like it, but I guess things happen that way You ask me if I'll get along I guess I will some way I don't like it, but I guess things happen that way. God gave me that girl to lean on, then he put me on my own. Heaven help me be a man and have the strength to stand alone. I don't like it, but I guess things happen that way. I guess I will every day I don't like it but I guess things happen that way You ask me if I'll find another I don't know, I can't say I don't like it but I guess things happen that way God gave me that girl to lean on Then he put me on my own Help me be a man Have the strength to stand alone I don't like it, but I guess things happen that way
Don't you love that music? Man, that music means it is time for Gunsmoke, everybody. Time to walk back to Dodge City, Kansas in the 1870s and spend a little time with Matt Dillon, Chester Proudfoot, Doc, and Kitty. It is time for Gunsmoke. The theme of the show tonight has to do with desertion from the Army. And this is a show that I have never played on any of my uh, programs before. Amazingly, uh, the name of this one is Army Trial. It was originally broadcast on CBS back on June the 25th, 1955. And you are going to love the sound quality on this one. So settle back, everyone, and let's listen to gun smoke. City and in the territory on West, there's just one way to handle the killers and the spoilers, and that's with a U.S. Marshal and the smell of gun smoke. Gun smoke. Starring William Conrad, the transcribed story of the violence that moved west with young America, and the story of a man who moved with it. I'm that man, Matt Dillon, United States Marshal. The first man they look for and the last they want to meet. It's a chancy job, and it makes a man watchful and a little lonely. Don't you watch where you're putting your feet, you jug-headed old fool. Oh, what's the matter, Chester? Oh, this dang horse has tromped in every prairie dog hole since we left Cimarron. He'll break his leg yet. Well, you should have brought your mare. That horse is getting too old. Maybe his eyes are going bad. My gracious, he ain't gone 12 yet. He's just pure ornery, that's all. You know, you've grumbled about that horse ever since you first got him. Why don't you sell it? There ain't nobody in heaven. Besides, I kindly like the old goat. <laughs> You know, I don't think there's a man in the world with as many problems as you have. Well, I don't know that I have too many problems, Mr. Dillon. 
For that matter, I don't really have none. It, it, it's just that my nerves are uh, all uh, all right. up. And all right, all right, sir. Never mind. Never mind. Yes, sir. Hey, Mister Dillon, look yonder. The wagon, ain't it, over near that dry wash? Uh, yeah, it is. That's a mighty poor place to make camp. Uh, nobody'd make camp in the middle of the day, and not unless there were some trees. Well, then why'd they stop? Some kind of trouble, maybe, huh? I will swing around that way and find out. Okay. Looks like one of them big Studebaker wagons, don't it? Uh-huh. Could be their nesters. I don't think so. If they were, they'd likely be trailing some stock. It could be their awful poor nesters. Ah, they got trouble right enough. Now, you see, they lost a wheel. By golly, they sure have. Yeah, come on. We'll see if they need help, huh? It's a man and woman, Mr. Dillon. Yeah. Hello. Hello. My name's Dillon. Seen you coming. We was holding that rifle. You must have thought we was Cheyenne. What happened to your wagon, mister? Cotter pin fell out. Let the wheel drop off. Uh-huh. You got anybody with you? Only my woman here. I'll reset no wheels. No job for a woman. We can manage. That's a heavy job for one man. We'll give you a hand. He told you. We don't want no help. Uh, you're mighty unsociable for people with a busted wagon. Now, look, you? you mister. It's our trouble, and we'll take care of it. There ain't no need for you to bother yourself. You're from around Dodge, aren't you? Maybe. What's wrong with that? Not nothing, maybe. You, uh... You ever been in the Army, mister? No. You know, I've been trying to place you ever since we rode up. We're just headed west to Homestead. A week or so back, an officer from Fort Dodge gave me a description that uh, fits you mighty close. I don't know nothing about Fort Dodge. Could be your name is Cook and you were stationed there with a 26 cavalry. Mister, you got it all wrong. I don't think so. I'm putting you under civil arrest, Cook, for desertion. Shoot him, Jed. Shoot him. You lift that rifle one inch, Cook, and I'll put a bullet on you. All right, Chester. Yes, sir. Go get his rifle. Yes, sir. Jed. You stand back. I'll blow a hole in you. Get it, Chester. Give me that. You fool, Jed. I told you he was Marshal Dillon when I seen him riding up here. I heard you. Then why don't you shoot him? I couldn't do that, Dylan. Maybe you couldn't. But I sure could. All the way back to Dodge, Chester and I rode alongside the wagon while Jed and Della sat on the box staring down and talking quietly to each other. It was well past sundown by the time we found a place for Della to stay and put the wagon up at Moss Grimmick stable. Later, I rode out to Fort Dodge with Jed Cook. It was nearly midnight by the time I turned him over to the officer of the day and signed the papers connected with the civil arrest of a soldier. Next morning, I was eating breakfast at Delmonico's when Kitty came in. Well, you're up early, Max. <laughs> Hello, Kitty. Hello. Won't you sit down? Now, how about some coffee, huh? Yeah, thanks. Where's Chester? Don't tell me he's not hungry. No, he's down at Moss Grimmick's. The stable? What for? 
Well, he went down to give Ma some instructions about a wagon we brought in last night. A wagon? Yeah. Belonged to a man and a woman we picked up about 20 miles outside of Dodge yesterday. Hmm? Deserter. Name's Jed Cook. Jed? Uh, yeah. Do you know him? Well, sure I know him. Him and Della Masters both. They've been going to get married ever since Jed got transferred out here to the fort. Well, they'll have to wait a while now. A deserter, huh? What'll the Army do to him, Matt? Yeah, the war was still on, they'd shoot him. Oh, Matt. Well, that's the way the Army operates. They both seemed real nice. Jed came into town every chance he got. Never caused any fuss, just had a few drinks and spent the rest of his leave with Della. They've been planning awful hard on getting married. She especially, I think, Matt. Uh-oh. Marshal, I want to know what they're going to do with Jed. Well, uh, he'll be court-martialed, Della. And then what? Then they'll sentence him. Oh, rotten, stinking army. He fought all through the war and then had eight years of moving around. Pennsylvania, the Dakotas, Missouri, and now out here. A soldier can't pick his post, Della. What do they need Jed for? He's just another man. The army's got lots of men. Maybe they don't see it that way. The army ain't going to keep him. No matter what they say, they ain't going to keep him. He'll just bust out and we'll get married like we planned. And we'll still get to Colorado. You'll see, Marshal. Now, look, Della, why don't you come? You keep out of this, Kitty. I'll tell you something else, Marshal. There ain't nobody going to find us once he gets loose. We got a place we'll meet and he'll wait there for me. He'll wait no matter how long before I get there. Della, Jed's an army sergeant. He deserted and he's got to be tried. Now, you know that. I don't know nothing of the sort. He knew what the consequences might be when he decided to desert... Just didn't plan on getting caught, that's all. You're the one who arrested him, Marshal. You're the one who caused all this trouble, and don't you forget it. Because I sure ain't going to. There's a woman who speaks her mind. Yeah. Well, she can't seem to get it through her head that the army runs by its rules, not hers. Since the first time I met her, all she's talked about is her and Jed. The place they're going to have. The family. Well, there isn't much she can do about it now. Matt, you ever had a woman who loved you fight for you? Uh, no. It'd surprise you. They can be pretty fierce. Yeah, I guess. Well, what are you going to do now? Nothing. Just wait till the court-martial. They said they'd want me to testify out there. And after that? And then I'm shot of the whole business. I wouldn't be too sure, Matt. A week later, Jed Cook was brought before a special court-martial at Fort Dodge, and I went out to testify as the arresting civil officer. I said my piece and left, somehow feeling a little sorry for him. From what I'd heard, he'd been a mighty good soldier before he deserted and that's all I knew about it until one evening after supper, Doc and I were walking back towards my office. Mr. Dillon! Mr. Dillon! 
Oh, for heaven's sakes. When in the world is Chester going to learn there's no use shouting like that? Well, perhaps it's important, Doc. Oh, important. It can't always be important. Well, maybe Chester doesn't believe that. Hey, I've been looking all over for you, Mr. Dillon. Oh, what for? It's uh, Lieutenant Dustman from out to Fort Dodd. He's waiting over at the office. How did he say what he wanted? No, sir. I asked could I help, but he said he'd talk to you. Okay, Chester. Well, I'll leave you here, Matt. I think a little rye whiskey would kind of... Soothe my innards after that supper. So I'll see you later, Matt. I'm Chester. All right, Bye, Doc. Doc. Good night. What do you suppose that Lieutenant Dustman does want, Mr. Dillon? Yeah, maybe he thinks that you want back in the Army, Chester. Me? Back in the Army? Anybody who thinks like that just got two bricks less than a load. Why, Mike? Back in the <laughs> Army? All right. Oh, no, okay, Chester. Oh, man. All right. Ah, Lieutenant Dustman. Hello, Marshal. Uh, Chester here says you want to see me. Yes, I do. First, let me show you this. Oh, what is it? Read it. Uh, before a special court-martial, which convened at Fort Dodge, Kansas. Uh, so forth, so forth, so forth, so forth. A uh, uh, violation of the 58th Article of War, a specification in that Sergeant Jedediah Cook, Troop A, 26 Cavalry, did at Fort Dodge on or about the 6th day of March, desert the forces of the United States... I don't need to read this. I know the verdict. Marshal, the court found him guilty of the charge and the specification. He was sentenced to two years at hard labor with forfeiture of all pay and allowances due him. Well? Following the court, Marshal, I was put in charge of the detail, taking him to Fort Leavenworth. The second night out, he tricked one of the guards and escaped. Oh. We couldn't pick up his trail, but I believe he circled back to Dodge. Well, if a man had a few silver dollars and wanted to hide here, it wouldn't be too hard. That's why I've come to you. You get more cooperation from the townspeople than the army can. And I want this man back where he belongs. I'll search every house in this town to get him there. Uh-huh. How many troopers are with you? About 20. All right, Lieutenant. I'll do what I can to help you, but I want those soldiers out of town. That's ridiculous, Marshal. I won't pull them out until we find Cook. Lieutenant, no man is going to break and run if there are soldiers posted around town. And anyway, before the week was out, they'd be shooting down some citizen by mistake. Now, look here, Marshal. I don't want 20 men all looking for a target. Now, do you want my help or not? Yes, I do. All right, then get your men back to the garrison. I'll find Cook for you, if he's here. When you do, Marshal, I want him turned over to me. If I find Cook, he'll be turned over to the commanding officer at the fort. Good night, Lieutenant. Good night. Just one thing. Yeah. Cook knows what's in store for him if he's caught now. He won't be taken easily. A fellow like that just makes you wonder how either side won the war, don't he? Chester. Yes, sir. I'm going over to talk with Della Masters. You uh, better stay here. What in the world are you going to talk to her for? She just ain't about to tell you where Jed's at, even if she knows. Maybe not. But if she's sensible, she can make things a lot easier for him. I'll see you later. Dillon. Open the door, Dillon. I don't want to talk to you, Marshal. You're going to. What do you want? 
couple of nights ago, Jed escaped from the soldiers who were taking him to Fort Leavenworth. Has he been here? Maybe he has. Now, look, Della, I got Lieutenant Dustman to agree to take his troopers out of the town, to take them back to the garrison. What difference does that make to me? It means that Jed could give himself up. Jed ain't going to give himself up to nobody. If Jed surrenders himself, the court won't be as hard on him as if the army picks him up somewhere later. Look what they did to him before. Sent him off for two years hard Tell labor. Tell don't you understand? I'm trying to help you. We don't need no help. Sooner or later, Jed's going to get caught. You can't run away forever. Once we get out into Colorado Territory, they won't nobody find us. Della, when will you get it through your head that you can't fight the whole United States Army? Jed's done his share of soldiering. More than his share. We've been waiting to get married two, three years now, and I don't aim to wait no longer. Why are you sticking your nose in this anyway, Marshal? You ain't the Army. I'm paid by the government, Della. It's part of my job. Well, I'll tell you something, Marshal. You come sniffing around me and Jed... I'll shoot you. That's uh, pretty foolish talk. No, it ain't. I planned it out how me and Jed are going to meet and where, and ain't nobody going to interfere. This was all your idea, wasn't it? What? His deserting. What if it was? I ain't going to wait forever. You're making a mistake, Della. Not the way I see it. I just want my man and the life that goes with it. Besides, I know what's best for Jed and me. Maybe. We'll see. Now, Della. What? Sooner or later, I'm going to find Jed. I just hope nobody gets hurt. still down stable, Mr. Dillon. She ain't come near it, save once or twice, just to get some things out of it. Well, keep on watching, Chester. She'll leave one day soon. We'll just follow her to where that fellow cook is, huh? Yeah. Well, that don't sound too hard to no, do. it shouldn't be. Mm. Marshal. Now, hello, Moss. Hello, Moss. Something's wrong, Marshal. Well, what's that? You know that big Studebaker wagon of Miss Dell's down to my place? Yeah, what about it? It's empty. Empty? All her equipment. She took it all out. Well, that don't matter, Ma. She can't get no horse without that wagon. Just a minute, Chester. Go on, Moss. Well, I don't often have occasion to walk out back near where that wagon is. I just kind of spelled Chester keeping an eye on her like you told me. But the day after he left, I had to go back for some barrel staves. And that's the first time I looked at it. Close like. Moss, when was the last time that you saw Della? Two nights ago. She was out back in a little spring wagon. Said she'd come by for some blankets out the Studebaker. And you say that she'd been by a couple of times before that, huh? Yes, sir. Well, she's outsmarted us. What do you mean, Mr. Dillon? We missed her. She got her stuff and headed out. You better get our horses saddled, Chester. Yes, sir. We'll swing by our rooming house to make sure she's gone before we try to pick up her trail. Now, get moving. <laughs> Twenty minutes later, we checked the room where Della lived, and the landlady said that she left two days before. She didn't know where. I knew now that my only chance to find Jed Cook was to track Della the best I could. She couldn't travel fast driving a spring wagon cross-country, but tracking was still a chore. 
And the next evening about sundown, I realized that we'd lost her. What are we going to do now, Mr. Dillon? Well, there's no use trying to track her any farther tonight, Chester. We'll pick up our trail in the morning. Yes, sir. We, uh, we'll camp in that cottonwood grove up ahead there, huh? If she should pass near here, why, she won't see her horses. Hey, Mr. Dillon? Yeah, what? Don't it look like there's a hut of some kind in them trees? It sure does. You suppose this is where that Jed is hiding out? That's a likely place. And Della was traveling in this direction. You mean we beat her here? Ah, uh, maybe. She could have known we were following her and dropped off in one of those dry washes to lose us. We was pretty lucky then. Uh, we don't know he is here, though, Justin. Yeah. No, sir. All right, we better pull up. We'll go in from here on foot. Yes, sir. a slip like that. There's no... Oh, my gracious. Mr. Dillon, look. Yeah, I see it, Justin. Well, I guess Jed Cook won't go back for trial now. No. You reckon it was Indians done that to him? Yeah. He's been tortured. He sure didn't have much chance. All by himself, did he? No, not much. Mm-hmm. Poor fellow. Hold it, Chester. There's somebody over there. It's Della, Mr. Dillon. Yeah. It was Injuns, Marshal. They heard him. Hurt him real bad. But he was still alive when I got here four or five hours ago. He was lying right there where he is now. Didn't want nothing, not even water, except for me to talk to him. By Colorado, our farm and such like. Della, I. Then, after he died. I had a long time alone here. Time to do some thinking. I got things figured straight now. It's too bad it took this to do it. Yeah. But it wouldn't have worked the other way. The way I had it planned. I know that now. He only had another year to go. And then he got discharged. And we could have gone to Colorado like we wanted. I loved him so much, I guess I just couldn't wait. Women are like that sometimes. Yeah. Well, uh, what can we do now, Della, to help you? Oh, I... 
buried Jed right here. Right here. He'd like that. It's about as far west as he'll ever get. Now. Our star, William Conrad. This is William Conrad. Because so many of you took the time and the trouble to write to Liggett and Myers, Gunsmoke will continue to be heard right through the summer months. The time this summer, starting Saturday, July 2nd, 12.30 p.m. Eastern Time. Be sure and check your local radio listings for the earlier time on your station. Gunsmoke, produced and directed by Norman MacDonald, stars William Conrad as Matt Dillon, U.S. Marshal. The special music for Gunsmoke was composed and conducted by Rex Corey. Sound patterns by Tom Hanley and Bill James. Featured in the cast were Vivi Janis, Lawrence Dobkin, Harry Bartell, and Jim Nusser. Harley Bear is Chester, Howard McNear is Doc, and Georgia Ellis is Kitty. Remember, as William Conrad told you, starting Saturday, July 2nd, Gunsmoke will be heard specially transcribed for L&M filters at 12.30 p.m. Eastern Time. Check your local radio listings for Gunsmoke's earlier time on your station. Listening to Gunsmoke uh, most vividly when I was a kid on the radio was when we used to visit my grandmother up in the San Joaquin Valley in the small town of Strathmore, California. And she would listen to Gunsmoke faithfully on the radio. And I remember we would listen to it on Saturday. It seemed to me it was Saturday mornings or early Saturday afternoon. Well, I'm sure that the announcement we just heard uh, that Gunsmoke was going to be played twice during the week and once early on Saturday at 1230, 
I'm sure those were the recordings I was listening to, and that would be about the right time period, because I was in uh, first or second grade in 1955. The name of that episode was Army Trial, and it was originally broadcast on June the 25th of that year on CBS. Sing a simple song of freedom Sing it like you've never sung before Let it fill the air Tell the people in everywhere We the people here don't want war Hey there Mr. Black Man Can you hear me? I don't want your diamonds or your game I just want to be someone known to you as me And I will bet my life you want the same Come and sing a simple song of freedom Sing it like you never sung before Let it fill the air Tell people everywhere We the people here don't want war Seven hundred million, are you listening? Most of what you read, most of what you read Is made of lies Speaking one to one Ain't it everybody's son? In the morning when we arise Come sing a simple song of freedom Sing it like you never, never sung before Let it fill the air Tell the people everywhere We the people here don't want war Some folks enjoy doing battle Like presidents, prime ministers And kings So let us build them shells So they might fight among themselves Leave us be who those who want to sing Come and sing a simple song of freedom Speaking one to one, 
Folks, that's going to wrap it up for this time around. And I am so glad you stopped by. And I know how upset you get when the show ends. I get it. I know I get a little upset myself. But, you know, we'll be back in two weeks and we're going to do it all over again. Okay, that's it. i got to get out of here. This is Bob Bro. I'm so glad you stopped by. And I am so glad you met me.